In today's episode of Data for All, Charlie and I will be demystifying data. Is that too uppy? No, perfect. Okay. Welcome to the Data for All podcast. I'm Charlie Yielding. And I'm Charlie Apigian, where we want to empower you to think different with data. So as we mentioned earlier, we're demystifying data today. What does that mean in the year 2022? And that's what we really want to get to today. But since it is our first podcast and uh, excited to have you here, Charlie, I know we have a lot to talk about and we're going to have a lot of really good topics. But let's start with the topic that I know everybody's most interested in is who are we and why are we the ones to talk about data for all? So, Charlie, who are you? Like I said earlier, my name is Charlie Yielding, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And over the past 13 years, I have put a lot of work and effort into improving myself as a, as an individual, as an employee, and in every facet possible. And early on, I found out that if I use data for those purposes, uh, it makes everything a lot easier, smoother, and things like that. And so throughout my career, uh, I have become what you would call a data advocate, somebody who understands and appreciates the ability or the the ways in which data can impact our lives. And I, and I love that, but let's even take it a further. Let, how about data in your personal life? Because uh, usually to be a data nerd or to be somebody that like, really wants to talk about data, they probably don't leave it at work. What about you as a person? Do mm-hmm. you use data in your regular life? I use data uh, almost every moment of my Life. I mean, if we if we carry a cell phone, we're collecting data about ourselves all the time. And so I not only do I collect that data, I try to effectively use that data whenever possible. So so of course you use data and you live in Nashville now. Where are you originally from? I'm originally from Mississippi. Oh, I'm sorry. I gr- yeah, I grew up in rural Mississippi in the rural woods. Mississippi. Mm-hmm. All right. Straight from the woods. So we are definitely setting up the dichotomy of the Charlies as mm-hmm. we as we speak here, folks. And you're a Michigan boy, right? I am a Michigan boy. You could call me a Detroiter, and mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that, of course. And yes, everybody, my name's Charlie Apigian, and I can't believe I get to talk data with you and, of course, with my good friend, even though he's from Mississippi, Charlie Yielding. Uh, I, I grew up in Detroit, but I've been in the Nashville area for the last 20 years in academics. So what makes this uh, dichotomy fun is, yes, I've been in academics for the last 20 years, teaching statistics, information systems, technology, and melding all of those together. But for the last five years, I've really been more on the data science side, where I've um, trying to be pushing forward with education and curriculum, but then I really love doing things in the community. So where I have have true passion is how do I take the complex world of data and simplify it down for everybody, which brings us to why it's data for all. So Charlie and I are here today. We're talking about data. What is the point of this podcast? Let's get that out of the way here before we get into demystifying data. What do we mean by data for all? That comes back around to my side a little bit because we, you know, you're, you're in the education side Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm in the personal use of data side. And so I have come to believe that the, the idea of data in our personal lives is, is like I mentioned earlier, it's an idea whose time has come. And so I feel personally compelled to teach what I know about how to harness data and improve people's lives with that. But before we get there, we have to have the conversations about what data is in the 21st century and how it can be utilized. And we've got to go through topics like data privacy, how data is collected, where it lives and all of that kind of stuff before we can get into the the, the actual use cases to making our lives better. And before we can even get there, we have to talk about what is data. So we mm. need we need the, the common vocabulary so that we're all talking the same things and break it down into its simplest uh, component. And so when we talk about this idea of demystifying data today, it's really about what is data, how is it being used, and how can we conceptualize it in a way that makes sense that all of us are using data in everything that we do in our lives, and it's okay to embrace it and find out that data isn't as difficult as we feel that it is. It's actually something that we can use 
and be empowered to use to think differently. Right. So that that's where that's where this. So so I, just so everybody knows, Charlie Apigian came up with think different with data. It was one of the things he was adamant about from the beginning. And the more I've thought about that term, the more I've come to understand like exactly what that means, because thinking different is something that we have to do. Like yeah. that's there's nothing we can do about it. The world is changing too quickly. We have to be uh, we have to be like malleable. And so that's the think different part and the thinking different with data part, like with data yes. will allow us to change in the most efficient ways possible over a very short period of time. Because the, with the, the we'll call it the rapid onset of technology, we're really getting to a place to where we can't sit and be comfortable for even six months anymore without something changing right underneath us to where we have to proactively get ahead of it. Yeah. And so if you're using data to do that then you're going to be more efficient, less stressed. And all, there's all kinds of other benefits that come along with that. But I feel like that slogan is the, the, the perfect identifier. But then that leads to what are we trying to do or what are we trying to not be with the podcast apart yeah. from boring? Well, let, yeah, let's get into that. So we want to be a data for all podcast, which means we want to take all the data concepts, bring it down into a realistic and relatable fashion for everybody to understand. So what are we not going to be? Well, uh, I, I think uh, Charlie just said it perfectly. Hopefully we will not be boring. So this is meant to be a great conversation. We'll bring people on, but it will not be everybody sitting in my class and I'm telling you the, the ins and outs of data science or artificial intelligence. We're trying to take all of these great things and bring it back to the regular person. And so uh, Charlie as we say what it's not for, what type of individual would you think would benefit from a podcast like this? Uh, that's what it's in the title. Every last individual that can that can listen to it should listen to it because it has the potential to benefit everybody. Now, granted, there are experts out there that know more about these topics than we do combined, but they're few and far between. Where, where we're really coming at is or coming from is the position of trying to help raise the floor of understanding or the, yep. you know, the, like the raise the tides or rising tides, raise all ships or however you want to say it. But it's the, it's building the vocabulary and the ability to talk through the different aspect, aspects of data as a society. And so it really is for all. Well, and I'll go to, um, when I say all, it's somebody that thinks they're not using data and then they'll realize that they are or should be using it. It's also the person that is using data, but they're more like data curious, right? They're, 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 they're sort of using it. They know what Excel is. They might be able to do a little bit with it, but they think data is just a number and that's the only thing they think. Uh, right. as we'll definitely demystify that today. And they want to become more effective. Mm -hmm. But I'm even going to say it is for the data expert. Mm -hmm. The data expert gets too siloed into what they know very well. And they think everything needs to be a dashboard, a model, a predictive this. And the truth is they forget that they're trying to solve a problem. That's all they're trying to do. And so they need this kind of stuff just as much. And, and I get that over and over again. I've done workshops recently where people have said, we have sent people to tons of technical training, but then they can't actually understand the goal or the dilemma that they're trying to solve for. Mm -hmm. And that's where this kind of a podcast can help you, again, think different. And it's not that with data means that you haven't been thinking without, you know, it's not like you're thinking without data. Mm -hmm. As you'll see today, we just believe we want you to think different with different types of data in different ways. So that's a perfect spot to segue into, like, what exactly is data? Okay, so this is where I hope, uh, you know, uh, you know, every time, well, let me, let, me, let me throw it back at you before we get into the definition type stuff. Mm -hmm. When I tell people I'm a data person, like mm -hmm. I love to say I'm a data guy, you yeah. know, when people hear that, what do you think the first thing is that they will Tell me about their story with data. Oh, I don't know. Uh, the The very first thing I would think that people say is, or would think about you is that you must love statistics classes. And it goes right into that. It's And everybody likes to tell me their terrible story of taking statistics. Mm -hmm. And yes, I have taught statistics for 20-ish years and love every minute of it because, again, I'm taking hard concepts and bringing it down into a simplistic form and it's true meaning. And that's what I love to do. 
And so if that's the case, everybody will tell me, oh, I had that stat class. I hated it. Boy, that whole probability. And I don't even know what that weird curve thing was. And, and I'm like, that's true. That to me is not data. Mm-hmm. Okay. So statistics is not data. Math is not data. But of course, you can't do statistics without data. You can't do math without numbers. Mm-hmm. So, but data is at the core. So, so let's, let's dive into what that means. And so do you want me to bore you for uh, 30 seconds? You want to get bored for, for a second? Okay. Because I, when, I, when I read a definition of data, it will bore you. And, and so if we go to the Merriam-Webster, we'll see that their definition is factual information, such as measurements or statistics, used as a basis for reasoning, discussion, or calculation. Okay, now everybody, if you're out there in the uh, podcast world, hopefully you haven't turned us off yet from listening to that. But when you hear that, does that get you excited about data? Absolutely not. Of course not. Let's go to Katie Nugget's version, which is a wonderful website, incredible blogs about data science, artificial intelligence, machine learning. And they say the definition of data is structured and stored in databases, which analysts can manage from one computer... It is in table format containing numeric or text values. That to me is the data science version of data, but is that really data? I mean, it would it's exclusive to digital data, uh, but that just to me that feels like one type of data. I agree, hundred percent. Here's a better one from Data Literacy. This is Ben Jones uh, in DataLiteracy.com. His definition is the raw material commonly, but not exclusively in digital form that allows us to capture and encode facts about our world. We're getting a little bit closer. We're Mm -hmm. getting a little bit closer. So with that one, what does that make you think about? Think about encode facts about our world. It's so thinking about it that way, that's, that feels more inclusive, but it still feels like it's, it, it still feels like it's digital meaning, or it, it doesn't have to be digital. It just has to be captured in a certain way. Like, uh, it feels like it's, uh, we're talking about writing something down or we're talking about, uh, you know, putting something in a spreadsheet and stuff like that, but it's still, it's more generalized, but it doesn't, it's not very specific though. Okay, so let's get to our definition, or I should say mine, and then I got to convince you that this okay. is the right one. All right. And, and, and hopefully we change this over time, right? Mm-hmm. We're only in episode one. Wouldn't it be great if we have a better definition uh, as we get going here? But what I will say, and this is, uh, you know, in, in talking to numerous friends doing this for way too long, I keep it simple, and I just say it's a capturing of an imperfect view of reality, So you're going to have to expand that. Okay. That that was the point of me pausing because (laughs) the point is think about what is data in that case. So what we're using, what I say data is, is anything that can tell us about reality at a moment in time. I mean, that's the whole point of data is we're recording something because we're trying to capture what is actually happening. If you go to the doctor, you're getting your vitals. They're, they're, they're taking all these measurements. Why? Is it really because those vitals are for any other reason other than capturing at that moment how you're doing? That's the whole point, isn't it, for going to the doctor for a wellness visit? Right. So they can say your blood pressure is this, your, different, your oxygen levels are this, you weigh this, you are this tall still, and all that kind of stuff. But what does that, what does that mean if it's on its own? Well, and see, that's the whole thing. And that's how we get into the idea of what it is. So, so in mine, uh, I just want to expand this out. Sure. Think about um, what that means then if you're just looking at a moment in time. To me, um, and, and you can argue against me, especially our data science friends out there, um, but for the average person out there, I want you to think about when you think about tens of thousands of years ago, how did they capture reality at that moment? Did they put it into columns and rows and have spreadsheets? Or are we talking cave paintings, art, different things like that? And when you look back at a cave painting, does it tell you a snapshot of reality at that time? It gives you a, a window. Okay. For Is sure. that data? Yes. 
Okay. Is data something that has to be stored? Somewhere. Otherwise you lose it. And it, I mean, I, that's the, do you hear a tree if, or does a tree make sound if there's nobody there to hear it? Does uh, it? Uh, <laughs> it makes sound waves, but our interpretation of the waves is sound. And so if it has to cross through our eardrums to be sound, then no. But if you don't, and so in that kind of way, if you don't record data, is it, is it truly data? How long do you have to record data for it to be data? Uh, at some point before it disappears. Okay. So if we're having a conversation, is this conversation, if we were not recording data points? Yes. Because there is data or there is something going back and forth. We are processing it. We are using that processed information mm -hmm. to be able to come up with what we're going to say next, which means we're solving something. And, and, and the solving is might just be that we're getting ready to say something again. But everything, if you see that in my definition of data, it can pretty much be conversations. I say art and some people will say, well, yeah, but that's a person's interpretation. And that is correct. But if it's cave paintings or something that tells you the story of what's happened in the past or at that moment in time, then that can be uh, construed that way. Of course, numbers can be text. We, nobody will deny that uh, text is data these days. Um, so that can be part of it. Um, and, and of course, um, you know, intuition, gut is all based on other things. And so data itself is the unorganized, the raw components of that capturing of reality at that moment. So to go back to your cave, your cave painting analogy, um, you can tell, you can tell a lot from that and that is data. Yes. So what did they, you know, what's the context of the picture? Say it's like a buffalo or an antelope or something like that. Then you know that people around that time period had animals like that around Correct. them. Then you can also take the width of the brush, or maybe it's a finger painting or, mm -hmm. or whatever, and then you can you can analyze those things and you know use that against other sets of data to then infer like more about that time frame, like the sophistication of that tribe or that culture at that moment. If right. you see that it was br brush strokes as opposed to finger painting, and see now what you're doing is you're taking data and turning it into what we want it to be which is some type of actionable goal of some sort. And so data by itself. So let's go back to the wellness uh, check idea. Mm -hmm. If I go to the doctor and I weigh 165 pounds, mm -hmm. that's a data point. What does that mean in terms of my wellness? Depends on how tall you are. Okay. So now I need more data. And so data by itself may or may not be helpful, mm -hmm. but when integrated with other data and structured in a, in a form that is readable for people, it becomes information, right? Mm -hmm. So most of the time, people do not see data. They see information. And so to me, information is anything that structures data into a hopefully user-friendly way of viewing it. And so, so what you're talking about right now is the... Uh, data to, is it like, are you, are you on the data to wisdom model right now? Because I think if we're, if yeah. we're talking about the transition of like bits of information into, or bits of data into information, into knowledge, and then into actionable items or wisdom. Correct. Like what, it, from your perspective, like, cause you, you put in this DIKW model and I'd never mm -hmm. heard that before. I thought you made it up and I asked you, and you're like, no, everybody knows about it. And so, <laughs> I didn't say everybody knew about it, but everybody, but Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, but me specifically. But so from that perspective, like what is the what is the point of kind of calling that stuff out? Like, why would you, why would you need to understand that flow of like from, from the beginning to the actionable item? And, and here's why we can be important in changing the way people think with data. So again, thinking different with data because people will go only so far with it, but the point of data is to be actionable. Mm-hmm. Um, you store it because you think it'll help you solve a problem, make a better decision in the future mm -hmm. or today. And so, but unfortunately, most people think that going halfway is the final uh, benchmark. And so I want people to think 
a lot deeper about the solution or mm-hmm. the end goal. And so if we think about, and so what we're referring to folks is if you were to Google D-I-K-W, so that's data, information, knowledge, wisdom, you're going to see several of those out there. And so if you start with data, data is the unstructured and unorganized form of whatever you're collecting at that moment, whether it's characters, numbers, it could be uh, pulses. Right now on my phone, um, not my phone, my watch, Mm -hmm. it's taking um, my heartbeat every second. Well, that's not a number I can actually look at in its rawest form. It is a signal from my watch that's then created into information based on whatever that signal is. Mm -hmm. That's readable. So going from data to information is the first component of what we do. So Again, you have a bunch of numbers, you put it into nice columns and rows, you 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 label it correctly. For you, you probably put pink and purple as the headers at the top. Uh, of I course. do love pink and purple. Well, there's nothing wrong with pink and purple. Um, but, you know, you're making it in a nice, easy to understand form. That's what we mean by information at that point. Right. Okay, if we take it a step uh, further. So again, data, if we're at the uh, doctor's and he takes our weight, he takes our height, mm-hmm. he takes our blood pressure, temperature, um, checks our blood work because we went to the lab before that. He tells us some different things based on all of that on a chart. The chart itself is information. Mm-hmm. All of the data points are on that chart. Now the uh, doctor will look at that and say, you know what, based on this, I'm seeing that you're trending towards pre-diabetic mm-hmm. or uh, something else. Now we're getting into the knowledge component of the DIKW model Mm -hmm. because now we're using data and we're making, we're seeing trends, we're making decisions, or we're making predictions with that information and data. And that's where we actually are using data and creating knowledge out of it. I like this model and, you know, up until yesterday, I'd never heard of it. Uh, and because it calls out the different, the different levels of understanding. And when I look back, when I, when I take this model and look back on some of the things I've done in my professional life and then in my personal life, where I take that, those data points, turn it into information and then glean knowledge and then make action, you know, and then I, you know, by this, I had the wisdom to make the actions or to take the actions to, to make a change based off of that. And I feel like that's, that's going to come up multiple times through this podcast where we're take, where we're going to use examples of going through this model. And then, uh, I think that that's important to call out here on the front end because it's going to be common. Like we may not specifically call out the DIKW every single time, but the way we talk through the data is going to be on this, on this track more often than not. Right. Well, think about this. Think about different decisions. It could be with your kids, right? Mm-hmm. You see your kids doing something and you tell those, you tell them, Hey, if you keep doing that, you're going to fall. Why are you saying that? Because you have processed data based on experiences or other people's experiences. And you are concluding that if they keep doing that, they're going to fall. You are now at the knowledge component of the use of data. Mm-hmm. So what I'm, what we're trying to get to folks is the fact that we're all doing this all the time. We just don't know it. Mm-hmm. We are taking data and creating predictions out of it all the time. Um, I, I drove 40 minutes to get here today. And in driving those 40 minutes, I have to make decisions on what roads I'm going to take to get here. We do it automatically, right? Of course, these days we do it with <laughs> Google or Apple Maps or, or our fancy cars. But we are still using data turning it into something that we can see and then making decisions based on that. Now let's take it one step further, right? Mm -hmm. And now we want to get into how has it become actionable? And that's where I teach my kids good habits because I make decisions based on previous uh, uh, experiences. And that's the wisdom part. That's where we want everybody to get to is, can you take data, get it into a user-friendly version, which is information, Mm -hmm. do some, and and this is where statistics, statistics or math come in sometimes, or just intuition to create knowledge out of it. So now you say, Oh, 
you're trending towards this. I'm seeing, you know, you want the warning signs to go off, but then wisdom is the actual action that you are taking. And it could just be a decision. It could literally be an action. I decide to go right instead of left. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that I start eating better, um, exercising and, um, going to a plant-based diet or, you know, whatever I, I do because I am going, uh, to pre-diabetic mm-hmm. and, that is an action now. And so the, what I want us to talk more about is data to turn into action as opposed to this data information, knowledge and wisdom model. Because mm-hmm. why? Because that's simple. That's something we can understand. So if I take data, I need to make it easy to see and visualize and, and, and understand. Then I turn into action. That's where I want data for all to go. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that brings me, that brings me to like all the, all the cool biometrics tools that we have these days. And so like there, there's a, a brand of bracelet called whoop. whoop. And and so whoop captures a lot of bio uh, information as it's going. Uh, but then you can also input things like what you eat, when you drink, how much you, and then it records your sleep and everything too. And so I find that in today's world, and this is the whole reason we're doing that is that you can you can get as granular as you want to, and so what's the difference to sleep between two and three drinks? Nice, there you go. And you can you can literally record that data, mm-hmm. and you can compare that data, and it's going to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I have a tendency to lie to myself when something is when I don't want to do something, and then when I'm confronted with it in a cold hard fact, yeah. I will change my mind. But until I get to that point, I'm pretty good at lying to myself. <laughs> But, um, but that's exactly it. It, And so the data itself. And so I love that you went to this idea of, can I, can I take your sleep one? Um, yeah, go for it. Sorry folks. Sometimes I get a little excited. Charlie's going to have to hold me down and make sure I don't go too crazy with this. So I love to think of data as either prevention or intervention. So let me, let me be very specific there. We can use data to prevent bad things from happening or to improve things or help our future goal in mind. Sure. But what if something happens? And at that moment, we need to just fix it. What can we do to make it fixed? So prevention is doing things beforehand. So I, it doesn't lead to something, but if it does get to that point, then I need to do things to fix it. And that's intervention side. So prevention, intervention, you want to have a good night's sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. So you need to do everything beforehand correctly. And, and as we get older, folks, we have to do a lot more things uh, correct to have a good night's sleep. Stress can't be high. Um, two or three drinks before may or may not help you sleep. I don't know. Some people will say that it helps them. Um, caffeine, I don't drink caffeine after 12 o'clock. Same. Um, and, and, and that is all because of sleep. So if I, if I had a cup of coffee at six o'clock at night, I know I'm hurting my sleep. So these are preventive things I can do now to have a good night's sleep. What are some other things that you would do to make sure you have a good night's sleep? Turn the TV off or get Great off the, one. so I like to play video games too. And so, uh, playing video games is not, uh, not the best thing. There's a few personal habits that I've had in the past where I've had to come to grips with the fun I'm having. Cause I've got, I've got two small kids. And so my free time mm-hmm. is after they go to bed. And so I cherish that time probably too much because I push it as far as I possibly can. Gotcha. And when I'm having a blast in those time, in, you know, in that time frame, like just getting to be me, which is hard these days, then I want that to continue. And mm-hmm. so if I start, if, you know, if I start, uh, if I'm having a beer or whatever, it's like, it's, it feels more like it's, uh, uh, um, celebratory because mm-hmm. it's just me and I, I, I can chill. I don't have to pay attention to anything and stuff like that. And so I get to the point where, I really should, I know I should get up and go to bed, but I don't. I'm just going to watch one more YouTube video, probably grab a snack if it's past past 10 o'clock. Oh. And, and then and then we get into the bad stuff after that. And so I, gotcha. I've also learned from the, you know, from my own data intervention that I have to sleep, mm-hmm. have to, because uh, I get really cranky. But then otherwise. you're doing things to hurt your sleep. Yeah. So you decide to do certain things and it leads to a poor night of sleep. So mm-hmm. the metric is the metric. Let me ask you this. Is the metric a good night's sleep? The, the goal, I don't know. It would, uh, 
So the metric would be eight hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Got it. Um, eight hours of good sleep. Of, good sleep. Of actually sleep. Not yeah. tossing and turning and all the other stuff. That's not the goal though. Mm-hmm. What is your goal? I'm going to press you here. My goal is to feel good. To feel good and have a productive next day. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. great. Because that's what we're trying to get to people to understand. When I ask people, what is your goal? Mm-hmm. They stare at me usually. And I'm talking about like executives and people mm-hmm. that are, uh, you know, thinking that, you know, they get it and they want to create this model that does all this. I'm like, why? And they usually will just stare at me. What do you mean? Why? Because I have the data and we need, no, no, don't tell me you want to increase sales. Tell me what the real goal is. So your goal is not to sleep well. Your goal is to get a good night's sleep. So you have a good next day. Correct. And then the day after that and day after that, because again, you also know that you could have a bad night's sleep and your next day might be okay because you mask it with caffeine and other things, but it will catch up to you in two days. I get, I get two days. You so get, if, yeah. if I get five hours sleep one night, I can do the next day just fine. But that if I do that twice in a row, it's over. Done. Yeah. And, and so that's what becomes part of that. So preventive type things, eight hours of good sleep is the metric mm-hmm. because the result that you're looking for is a productive day. Now, let's say you have a bad night's sleep. You now need interventions or other things in your life to get you a productive life. And folks, I'm doing double quotes when I say that because we know it's not really going to be a productive day. It's just we are going to mask the tiredness. And so I know I'm, what I do, which I do it every morning, is drink way too much coffee. Mm-hmm. I'll probably walk, take a walk in the middle of the day instead of what I really want to do is probably take a nap. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, else, what, would, what else would you do to mask the problem of a bad night's sleep, but still want to be productive? Exercise or exercise for sure. If, uh, but that's a double-edged sword because the, the more tired I am, the less I want to exercise. Mm. And so, so obviously coffee, that's the easiest thing. It's just stimulants right out of the gate. And I'll, I'll drink more coffee on those days. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to a bigger crash later on. And so the, the, for me, like I walked through a lot of life, just like doing whatever and not really putting any kind of thought into it. And it wasn't until I started to record these things and really understand the the behavior, because my big thing early on was I would, I would caffeinate those days to the extreme. And then when I got home around five or six o'clock, I would be, I'd be crashing and my family would get a different version of me. They would get the, they would get the, we'll call it the poor version of me. Yeah. And so until I started to analyze the data or the, you know, the information that I got from the data, like it, it was hard for me to determine or, or, you know, I, you never want to say like, I'm putting my family in a situation that's not optimal, sure. but sometimes that's the case. So, so, so let's break that down for a second. Let's start with the data. You said you started recording. What were you recording? Uh, everything. So, so I take a year off or uh, no, not a year off. I take a month off every year of everything, no stimulants, mm-hmm. no alcohol, no nothing. And when I do that, I start, I start to journal. And then as I bring those, as, like, as I go through the withdrawals, cause caffeine is the worst withdrawal, the worst withdrawal situation I've ever gone through. I start to notice the differences between my behavior before and after. And so I like, once I got through that week long process of coming off of caffeine, I was able to self report, you know, through words. I'm not mm-hmm. typing in numbers or anything like that in this case, but I was able to self report that like, I'm in a better mood between that five to 7 PM timeframe. I've got more natural energy and all that kind of stuff. But at the time I was also drinking almost two pots of coffee before noon. Yeah. And I, so, I get you there. So, so I, I just, I'm, I'm going to hammer this, uh, Data to information to knowledge. So mm-hmm. you started with data. You started logging things. Mm-hmm. You logged it in a day or uh, some type of I was using, format. Yeah, just like a journal format. Okay, so the journal ends up showing you the different data points. So a certain amount of caffeine equals certain mood of the mm-hmm. day. So now you've got some information. You then made uh, some discoveries with that, which was you turned that information into knowledge. That knowledge was based on the amount of caffeine probably made you crash for your family and mm-hmm. that was too much. So you still like your ca- coffee when you went back to it, but maybe not two pots in a day, I'm assuming. Correct. I, I immediately l- reduced the amount of coffee I was drinking. So now you've gone to wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now you've taken action. So now you've taken that data and because you discovered that be- by reducing the amount of caffeine, it leads to a better mood or, or not the highs and lows that you used to have. Mm-hmm. Now you've 
actually taken that data and turned it into an action that hopefully is better for you. And that's the wisdom part. That's the action. So you just in your own mind, you didn't even realize you were doing it, went through that entire process of what we'll say is data turning it into or transforming into action. And that's what we want data for all truly, truly to be is making those connection points from, wait a minute, let's take a step back. And I think that's the best way to always say it. When we say think different with data, think of it as taking a step back and saying, okay, what is really going on here? And do I have the data to support it? And if the data is only anecdotal from your colleagues or your friends or from your wife or or significant other, that is data that you can use that can turn into some type of actionable uh, solution, goal, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm just to be completely honest, I, I'm a, I learned hard lessons a lot. And in, in this case, I started doing the, the break in 2018 and it took me it took me a couple of years to really and truly understand the relationship as completely as I do now. So the first year I just yeah. knew I was drinking too much coffee. And that it was impacting my afternoon, my afternoons. But then the second year is when I started to get more fine tuned as far as like, where's the limit? Mm-hmm. What time do I cut it off and all that kind of stuff. And so I, it, and when I go back into drinking it, I don't just jump uh, feet first into it. I trickle back into it. And so I try to take the measurements coming back in that says, OK, well, here's all this stuff. But eventually my discipline slips. I stop recording mm-hmm. it and then I just go off a of feeling. And when it comes to being selfish, my gut will lie to me. Yeah, Yeah, I know what you mean there. And it's okay, right? Because um, as I sit here today, I can tell you I have done every possible experiment known when it comes to diet, exercise and well-being. Um, I have been uh, vegan, vegetarian, keto. I mean, I've done it all. And so I'm this N equals one is what I always like to say. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's taken me to the age of 49, uh, to realize what makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't eat meat and it's like, well, what, what is your political reason? It's like, um, meat doesn't like me, so I don't like it back. And, and it's because I've made all of these experiments over time. And so, you know, it, and by the way, folks at home, uh, you know, um, we will sound a little bit weird when we start talking about our use of data. I started collecting, uh, and, and, and diarying, uh, doing a diary for my food, Gosh, um, well, way before my fitness pal, mm-hmm. probably 2004 is and when I first started. And you recorded everything, right? Everything in a journal form, like paper version. And I had these little books that would tell you the calories, the protein, mm. the carbohydrates and all that kind of stuff. So yes, I can tell you that four ounces of chicken has 110 calories and, you know, you and, and, and peanut butter, oh, 190 calories, of course. And, you know, five grams of protein, if it's, you know, if it's pretty pure, you know, mm. and so I have all of that. So the good news is I don't need to record that anymore. Mm-hmm. So because I now have that data in this little brain of mine, uh, enough of it to continue to make those good decisions. I don't use my fitness pal anymore. I don't journal that stuff. I feel like it frees me up a little bit. It's almost yeah. like this freedom that I have um, to not do that. And uh, But it took me years of doing that. What we'd love to do is get to a point where we don't have to go through 30 years of experiments. Mm-hmm. Why can't we use what other people have gone through and, and, and create the models out there to help us make better predictions. Like, first of all, we know drinking two pots of coffee before a certain time, you're going to have ups and you're going to have downs in a day. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just, you're going to have a crash, folks. You're going to eat uh, a candy bar. That is going to be different than eating, you know, something uh, more wholesome, you know, in terms of spikes in your sugar. You, you don't need to experiment with that, you know. So there's like enough data that we have. And it's because we have data that we can say that, Um and data might just be that we saw our friends do it. Um, and that's okay. That's what we want to make very clear. Data can be anything that we want it to be. And then to turn into information, to turn into knowledge, yes, it might need to be a little bit more sophisticated than that. Like it's hard to come up with some type of really good visualization just based on conversations. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, well, we'll keep on the food thing. Um, tonight, I want to go to a good meal. 
I want to take my wife um, and we want to go have a good meal. What would you do to find a place in, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say we're going to, we're in Baltimore, let's say. So it's not a town you're used to and you're, you're there with your wife and you want to have a good meal. What are you going to do? I pull up Google and okay. I ask Google, uh, where's the food near me? Okay. So you're going to want to find out other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. What part of their experiences do you use um, in, in, in making your decision? Is it text? Is it numbers? Is it video? Well, first, so first I start with the, the star rating. Okay. And so then, the numbers, so that's a number, but that's just, the, that's just to get it started. Like okay. you've got to look at reviews because some people, some people like there used to be a place here called Sam's that was the best sushi place ever, but he was like, um, he was like the, uh, the soup Nazi from the sushi uh, Nazi from, huh? from Seinfeld. He was the sushi Nazi because he had strict rules posted on the door that if you broke, you got kicked out. Okay. No questions asked. Needless to say, his reviews weren't the best. But for seven dollars, I could get uh, I could get two large rolls that completely completely filled me up, and it was some of the most amazing sushi I've ever had. Gotcha. And so his star rating wasn't that high. So, I, you, but when you looked at the reviews, uh, you would see it's just like the people who were leaving at one mm-hmm. stars were just pissed that they broke a rule and they had to get, they got kicked out. Cause I witnessed it multiple times. Like he was not playing around. He had a limited amount of space and a very, very limited amount of patience. And that came out in his reviews. But once I started reading, I was like, I can adhere to these rules to, to be fine with this mm-hmm. or, and be fine with this. And it was, it was a spectacular experience, but I, I was on my P's and Q's every time I went in there. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I've actually downloaded all the data from Yelp before. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, so folks, just so you know, I've taught data science for the last five or six years. I've taught statistics for the last 20 or so. So I'll have a lot of stories back and forth. And um, and we'll talk more about us as we go through all of, uh, as we go through this podcast. But, um, and in getting all of that, the biggest one-star rating uh, keywords. So I, I took the ratings and I looked at the ratings and then what keywords were associated with those. Uh, oh, cool. And uh, customer service came up number one. Mm. Like it wasn't the food usually that was the issue. It was always one star. I'm not talking about threes. Yeah, yeah. One star reviews were always because of poor service. And, and it always goes back to that. So then what I do now is I see, if I see a bunch of one stars and they're all from like three years ago when the place opened, mm-hmm. And I don't even, I don't even pay attention to them because if those are bad customer service reviews, they had a shaky start. What are they today? Mm-hmm. You know, don't judge them based on their opening, based, base it on what they're currently doing. And if you don't see any bad service, uh, customer service type stuff within the last year, those problems probably went away. Mm-hmm. If it's consistently, or if that's yet last week's review, I'm a little bit worried. You know, I mean, there's, there's something again, the, the point of going to dinner for me mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the, the food. All right, I just want to be very clear there. I, I, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat uh, that many great things. And, you know, <laughs> you can only do so much. You're going to laugh at me about uh, I go to I go and I spend one hundred dollars on a meal and I go, eh, no big deal. Like I just it's it's uh, it's very intellectually honest of you to admit that. Well, I'm there for the experience. I really like sitting with friends having conversations with a glass of wine and food on the table, mm-hmm. that is who, that, that is human nature right there. Yeah. We love that. Right. And so if I, I'm thinking about my experience, my experience includes food. Mm-hmm. It includes the ambiance of the place. I hate when I'm in a place and I have to yell at you, mm-hmm. you know, um, again, that's the old guy in me. Um, and if I have a bad customer experience, then I, it ruins everything. That's the point of, so if I'm going to that, so everything I'm doing before I go to that restaurant in Baltimore is I'm using other people's information to help me make an informed decision Mm -hmm. on where to go. The minute I show up, so the decision maker is where do I go? That's, that's everything I'm doing up to that point is where do I go? Once I'm there now, everything is about the experience and, and the result. And so if I have a bad experience if I, um, if I make it a bad experience, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it could just be that I have a bad conversation with somebody. All of that leads to the final end goal, which is the experience of the night. 
And that's what I think of when I think about going out to dinner. Went out to dinner with a friend last night. Had nothing to do with me getting a salad. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it does, right? You know, I've, I've gone to many a places by myself. And it's really just, I really want something from that restaurant. Right. That's not what, that's, that's different. That's a different goal. That is literally, I want good food and I want to get it quick and, and then move on with uh, my day. But if I'm talking about the experience, this case, the goal is the experience. My metric is my decision on where I go. And of course, what I choose to eat is also a, kind of a big deal. And I'm basing all of that on previous experience. Now, it could be my experience, right? Mm-hmm. You like to go to, uh, was it Sammy's? Sam's. Uh, Sam's. Sam, Sam's has been closed for years now, but. Well, he needed better customer service is it was, what it sounds like. It's very sad. His building was bought and he got, he got kicked out. Uh, well, you had experience. So mm-hmm. you just, you didn't need other people's experience. You didn't need right. Yelp. You didn't need Google. You had the data that you already needed. Mm-hmm. If you needed additional data, now think about that. You can use the data that's right at your fingertips or you can go get more data. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a lot about what is, what do we really mean by data? We're not going to always just talk about eating food and, and our, our crazy uh, logging of our habits. There's so much more to it, but to keep it simple today, we thought we would start there. Yeah, I think that's, that. I do have one quick question. So you, you like the experience at dinner thing. When you were growing up, was, was dinner time family time? When we got it, yes. Okay. Yeah, you know, and it actually was a special time. So sitting at the table meant dad was home at a reasonable hour because we had a family business. Yeah, yeah, it was a big deal. And my, and my mom could cook, of course. Um, so so what is, when you think of experience, sitting down at the table is what? It's the same, it's the same okay. thing. Like whenever we do, growing up, we ate dinner. Uh, we always sat in the same spots. We always, uh, like I wouldn't say the conversation was always fluid and we weren't, we definitely weren't animated uh, in, in that kind of way. It was more, it was more subdued, but I, I took that into, uh, uh, my family. And so when we sit down, we talk about our day, like it, mm-hmm. food time is conversation time. Food time is like getting together and all that kind of stuff. And it took me a long time to realize that that's something that I needed. Uh, and it was, it was actually during the pandemic and some, some information I got from, uh, a friend of mine that, that made me realize that I, my batteries are recharged by that type of interaction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I I just want to make it where when we think of our end goal, it is so much more than usually what we're measuring. And and so the end goal to me, when I think, and I I always try to go that, that last step. So it's never, you know, for a company sales, it's so much more than that. It's sustainability of a business over time. That's the reason you want sales. That's why you want profit. You don't want profit for profit's sake. It's for another reason. You want a good meal at a restaurant because you want a great experience and you want to be around people. You want to, you want to, you want to feel a belonging, you know, whatever, whatever it is for you, what is the real reason? Why do you listen to podcasts? If you think about that, why would you listen to a podcast? It's not because you want to feel alone because you are probably in your car and you're by yourself. And this is me, by the way, because I I drive a lot by myself right now. Uh, I got a long commute and I want to feel like I'm with other people. You know, and so there's there's a there's always a real real message or goal that you're trying to achieve. So so let me let me let me try to bring everything back to where we are. We talked about demystifying data. We talked about the fact that we believe that um, let's just say that the the definition of data should be more encompassing. Mm-hmm. It should include more than just numbers and columns and rows. We believe it is whatever we're using to capture reality at that moment. Right. But in the 21st century, there's a lot more of the digital data at hand. I think everything is digital these days. I mean, it's hard to say that there's anything is not recorded. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're at that spot. So the data itself, raw, unorganized, if we put it into some type of form, it becomes information. If you, we, we start making decisions and predictions and look at trends, we're now into some type of knowledge based on that. And then we take that knowledge and we turn it into action. And that's what we call wisdom. And so data to wisdom or data to action is what we're really trying to get to in any case. And that's how we think different with data. Does, does that sound like a good summary for that? 
Yeah, I feel very demystified now. Oh, you're so demystified. I love it. So, you know, I, before we, we, we head off, and I know we've, we've done a pretty good job of, of demystifying data today, what, will, what, what are some other um, topics that we might be covering in the next 10 or so episodes? So we'll be covering uh, everybody's favorite topic, which is data privacy. So, oh. so one, of the, one of the biggest questions that, uh, that I know that I'm looking forward to getting to is like, I said something in a room and my device was there. I never typed it in and then I get the ad. Oh. Is that real? Or is that just a is that just some sort of perception? So we're going to talk about how data is created mm-hmm. and the different methods for that to happen both actively and passively. Uh, and how that ties to privacy. We're talking about where data lives. Mm-hmm. And then one of the biggest topics that I'm excited that you're bringing to the table yep. this year is the the data storytelling. Yeah. And we're going to definitely bring in some of uh, our colleagues, friends um, that are experts in this. Um, but one thing that has been uh, my big presentation topic these days is data storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's actually what I'm literally uh, now teaching. And we've, uh, with a good friend, uh, Zach Geminani over at Juice Analytics, we've actually created a framework for data storytelling. We're going to cover that and, and show you how you can take data and turn it into action, but the way to do that is with a story. And that's how we're going we're gonna to go through that. Uh, we have so many other topics. We are going to talk about what does it really take to get into data? What, is the, what do we mean by education? What is the real meaning of education? Not degrees, education. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about so many things that are in the future. We have some great guests coming up. Oh, we're also going to have the, the cool stuff in data. That's going to be a really cool topic. So we've already got some great people lined up. We've got great topics, all helping to take this complex thing that we think is data, turn it into something simple, relatable, and hopefully something that helps all people understand how to think different with data. So I'm kind of excited for what we what we have in store. Charlie, what about you? I think it's pretty easy to say that I'm pumped. He's pumped, folks. And I, I think that might be, I think we're about at that for the first episode. Okay. We're there. Let's, let's do it. Oh, uh, also, we're going to be talking about how to get jobs and data too. So that'll be fun. And not just how to get jobs and data, how to be in your current job and pivot into a data job mm-hmm. or stay in your job and be a data ninja and be better at your job and more effective. Yay. I'm glad you called it data, data ninja because the whole time you were saying that, I was like, that's what I did. And now, that's right. I, and now I'm a data ninja, folks. Prepare yourselves. You're a data ninja and I want to be a data Yoda. I don't know because I'm an old guy and I'm mm. short. I guess that's what I, I, I should be. Oh, let's, let's no, cut that part out, please. No, no comment. Oh, well, I, I think this has been fun. We are going to have a blast, folks. I know that um, me talking data is probably going to make you want to turn that thing off. But with Charlie on the other side, the, I'm the other Charlie, and this is the real Charlie uh, in front of me here. I'm, I'm the other Charlie. Either way, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll make sure that we keep it, uh, that, that I keep him down to the ground because he, he can just as easily talk over my head as he can anybody else's. Oh, I'm so excited about this topic. I'll tell you what, let's call it for a day. Everybody, thank you for listening to Data for All podcast. I'm Charlie Apigian. And I'm Charlie Yielding. Until next time.